Welcome to Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the psychological challenges that many successful women entrepreneurs face while building their businesses and how they have overcome them. Hello, I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson, and I'm excited to welcome today Willow Hill. Welcome, Willow. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to being here. I'm going to give a little background on you, which is very impressive and exciting. Um, Willow is the co-founder and chief creative officer of Scout Lab, an award-winning creative agency building the purpose-driven brands of tomorrow. Um, Clients include Wix.com, Adidas, Venmo, and more. Prior to Scout Lab, um, Scout built and launched Airbnb Global Brand, introducing the Airbnb rebrand to the world via major global campaigns. She drove adoption of Airbnb through high growth period in the U.S., Europe, and Asia specifically. Currently, she's also an advisor at LP at Air Angels. Thank you, Willow. Um, I wonder if you could just start by sharing with our listeners a bit about your growing up. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I actually grew up um, in, a, in a couple of different places. So I grew up originally in Arizona and then moved when I was in middle school to Oregon, Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. today. And had a really, had a really, I would say entrepreneurial start to life. Um, I grew up with a single mom and really learned the value of hard work and dedication early on. Um, Mm -hmm. I worked my entire way through college and that really just got me set up for what came later and really thinking about how can I create the life that I want to live? How can I be kind of at the helm of driving my own destiny? Mm-hmm. And that was um, really what what got me into the startup world, um, working at Airbnb early on and then later on starting my own company, I think came from a lot of that resilience that I built um, at mm-hmm. a very young age. Mm-hmm. And you kind of grew up with the idea that there were no excuses. You just had to do it, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. There's this mindset that the only thing standing in the way of what you want to create in the world is your own mindset. And Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's really no place for, for making those excuses. My mom was a, was a young mother who put herself through college. So I really got a front seat to watch what it was to overcome adversity Mm -hmm. and build true resilience in that way. And so for me, looking at my life and what opportunity I was given, um, comparatively to what she was given, I was really uh, just inspired to accomplish, you know, whatever it was that I set out to do, which in this case was uh, create Scout Lab. Mm-hmm. And you just also, she was a mentor to kind of show you how to create opportunities for yourself. Absolutely. Create roles, start your own business. Yeah, just whatever whatever that thing was that I wanted to go after. And I, one thing I really appreciated, and <laughs> perfect conversation too, is Mother's Day just uh, passed. Right, absolutely. Was really that she was non-judgmental of what I wanted to go after. It was more about just really embracing my own vision and 
uh, not taking no for an answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell us, by the way, a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey to found Scout Lab. So I started Scout Lab in 2017 when I met my co-founder, Caitlin Barclay. Uh, she also previously was in Silicon Valley building and launching brands, had sold her last company to ClassPass, which she was very early on at. And we met right after the the Trump election uh, mm-hmm. the, in 2017. And it was a really interesting time. I think we both were really Uh, kind of driven by this vision that brands have a much larger role to play in society than I think they're really fully taking responsibility for. And Mm -hmm. we wanted to create a space where we could build purpose-driven brands and uh, really help these founders that are looking at creating something meaningful in the world Mm -hmm. do that. So, you know, we've, we already went through this phase where we had these kind of 2.0 2.0 brands, right? The Caspers of the world that maybe mm-hmm. were direct to consumer and their innovation was all in their, uh, in their supply chain and how they got from customer to the doorstep. But we believe there's a step further to take, uh, which is really thinking about the holistic system that we're a part of moving from saying, we're just, uh, here for profit. We're actually understanding the role that we play in society and what impact we have. So, we felt that now was the time to do that. Pepsi was appropriating Black Lives Matter. There were just so many massive brand grievances on top of what we foresaw as going to be a tough next four years, which um, really, again, inspired us and drove us to create Scout Lab into the agency that it still is today. Mm-hmm. That That's super interesting. And I um, I wonder, because as in most startups, What did you do to get over the early grind phase of your business when things are overwhelming? And what strategies have you developed to help you overcome those challenging moments, which everybody has, right, when starting a business? So early on, we actually uh, engaged coaches, which at the time felt, you know, like a really big expense. And it was a, a tough thing to decide as a startup to invest in something like that. But I will mm-hmm. say best money ever spent. And you mm-hmm. know this as well as, mm-hmm. as a professional yourself. I think getting a third party perspective and putting your problems into perspective, especially when you have a co-founder and you have someone that you are co-creating with mm-hmm. um, to learn the right habits, to take yourself outside of your problems and view it from another uh, vantage point was mm-hmm. just huge for us and really helped us build the resilience that we needed to get through some of those tough times. Because of course, we did have the highs and lows that every entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey has. We were in, in no way immune to those. But I would say that that early coaching that we got, we, we actually called it co-founder therapy, mm-hmm. um, was just really important to us building this kind of mindset for success. We didn't set out thinking that it was going to be perfect. We set out knowing that it was going to be tough, but that we were going to meet those challenges with optimism. And do you think that the coaching was about taking care of yourself or, and getting the the business off the ground? So the coaching was really about how to kind of co-create. I think at the end of the day, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of ways to start a company. The way that we had started obviously was in a co-founder partnership. 
And I think what we found was the work is the easy part. Uh, so, so many people will say this to entrepreneurs that love what mm-hmm. they do, that they love. Um, the work itself is the fun part. It's the easy part. It's really co-creating with other people and, you know, the hiring, the scaling, the managing mm-hmm. of uh, people and making sure that they're healthy and they're happy. That's that's the part that I think not every entrepreneur is prepared for when they go into something. So mm-hmm. often you start something because it's what you love or you're good at, but not necessarily because you are an HR professional. So those have been, those were a little bit of the things that re- we really got help with along the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, would you consider yourself someone who hasn't always fit in? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that, you know, when I was younger, I, I had ADHD, which has now kind of evolved into adult ADD, which mm-hmm. definitely um, left me feeling slightly alienated at points where I don't think my superpowers really matched up with what I think the world needed from me, um, mm-hmm. sitting in a desk for eight hours a day, being an, an example. But what I found is now that I'm, you know, able to, to have to have evolved past that, I can see that it's so much of my superpower. Mm-hmm. So being able to be at a point in my life where I actually embrace it and work mm-hmm. with it rather than against it has been a huge, huge part of my and success. But also, can you can you be more specific about how you embraced it and worked with it versus, I guess, ignore it or, or backed away from it? Yeah. So one of the things that I had to really think about early on was how do I set myself up for success? So really building out systems that work for me, routines that work for me, uh, ways that I can set myself up for engaging in things that are really rooted around creativity, because so much of, you know, that part of me that is ADD or that can see so many things at once, make so many connections at once, is also the same part of me that did have a a tough time in school at times Mm -hmm. or with um, you know, dotting the T's and crossing the I's. So you know, making sure for me that I build out a team around me that plays to my strengths um, and that supports my weaknesses is really important. So much of what we see in leaders, I think, on the outset is there's this idea of perfection that is uh, so so often is propagated. But ultimately, I think everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses. And mm-hmm. Through leadership is really about finding what, you, what your magic zone, right? Your sweet spot. What is it mm-hmm. that you are great at and allowing other people to do what they're great at. So um, I do have people around me that I, I really look to for support. And that is really what helps me succeed. And so how come you were able to embrace that maybe you're not always perfect for everything that's being asked of you? What gave you the courage? I don't know the courage or the patience to say, can't do this, but I can do this really, really well. That actually, you know, it took me quite a while to get there. I think it was an ongoing journey. And part of what got me through that was actually the support of the people around me. So the support of my co-founder. Mm-hmm. As a, well, I think so often when you, when you own a business, you are reflected back to yourself every single day, right? Your decisions make such a deep and immediate impact. And so for me, seeing the moments where I did drop the ball or I wasn't on the top of my game Mm -hmm. really 
helped me immediately understand, okay, this is where if you're in a large organization, it's easier to look to someone else or to just focus on the one thing. But I think as an entrepreneur, you immediately understand, okay, what am I good at? What am I, and what can I take off my plate? And so that process early on uh, became abundantly clear to me. And my co-founder was also really helpful in that process and supporting me and saying, okay, here are the things that we immediately need to bring someone on for or outsource. Um, editing being an example. And are the two of you in the same age range? I mean, in terms of experience and and in work and stuff, you and your founder, co-founder, sorry. Yeah, we are. What's interesting is we both have very similar backgrounds as well. Yeah, she, interesting. Yeah, she. We, we both grew up with single moms. She's, you know, one of the hardest working people that I know, and just an absolute visionary. But what was similar about us was really our work ethic. I think at the end of the day, we both work in the same way, but we, mm -hmm. it's funny because we, we take, we uh, rest in completely different ways. <laughs> another thing that's just important is how hard you work that we've mm, finally sure. figured out, you know, going into your five, but um, yeah, she, she does have similar work experience, which was a little bit of an anomaly for me because I had spent my entire young life working while a lot of the people around me were just going to school or, mm -hmm. you know, doing the kind of uh, more traditional track. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit of a, an excitement for me to get to work with someone who I kind of understood how I worked and where I came from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you ever experienced the imposter syndrome? You know, it's, there's a lot of talk about it, but there is the idea that sometimes when you don't feel adequate, um, you might miss the boat on risk-taking or decision-making because you're concerned about your self-worth. I've been really blessed to find myself in a lot of rooms from a very young age and look around and think, how the hell did I get here? Mm. And there were a lot of times when... I think initially I was grateful, but also, you know, not not fully sure that I should be there. Mm -hmm. And things that I think can be really helpful in overcoming that kind of initial reaction to being in the world is to really understand that you're meant to be in whatever room you're in. I think that is something that I finally came to in my life through the support of really strong peer-to-peer -peer mentorship. So mm -hmm. we talk about mentorship and I think that is something that is extremely important, but peer-to-peer -peer mentorship is really special because they, when you can find the people around you that are also uh, working towards their goals and their vision, but can give you that same perspective and encouragement, I think it's really helpful. So my co-founder mm -hmm. and I certainly have done that for each other. Mm -hmm. It sounds like being an entrepreneur probably has been one of the places that you felt like you fit in the most. Yes, I 100%. I think it's where I feel the most comfortable now in hindsight. Um, I didn't necessarily know that that would be the case, right. but I thrive in ambiguity. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it, when I, when I feel like I'm not sure there's kind of an, an, ocean ahead of me. That is where I think I get a lot of energy and excitement from. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so absolutely. And why do you think you thrive in ambiguity? If that's what you said, I'm not sure I understood yeah, it. Absolutely. Thrive in a place where there's just open opportunity and mm -hmm. not necessarily too much above a box saying where you need to go or what you have to do next. Mm -hmm. um, but that there's just space for you to create. And that is where I really, uh, really thrive. Mm -hmm. I think definitely when I think about you know, feeling that feeling of belonging, it's been an interesting journey in creating the kind of organization that I feel like I belong in, because it's very, very important for me as a leader to make sure that I'm creating an organization where other feel, people feel that mm -hmm. they can. So our employees, um, you know, our, our partners that we work with feel that this is a place where they can create. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what do you do to, to, to promote this sense of belonging at work? A few things that we do that I would say are really not the norm, especially in any sort of creative agency space. We have our, our team vote on whether or not we're going to take on clients. And that's really important because we have, you know, really strong values and a clear mission and mm -hmm important to us that beyond just the mission, uh, do we want to, are these partners that are bringing on people that we want to work with? Those are really important questions that I think most of the time when you're at an agency or, or working, uh, you know, a job, you don't necessarily get input in who the customer is. And so that's been a really important piece of our culture that I think helps people really align with the work. Another thing that we do, you know, we really encourage this kind of growth mindset, which is so much of what I've learned in being an entrepreneur, but I think it is important no matter what role you're in. So beyond just your job, we offer continued learning. So if there's something that you're passionate about that you want to learn about, um, we you know work with a lot of our employees. We've got someone taking a screenwriting class as an example, which is just a creative practice for them, but helps them bring that creative energy back to work. Mm -hmm. So much of I think just millennial culture and Gen Z culture is uh, that you, we've seen conflict with organizations in the past is they just haven't fully embraced and understood that these are generations that are intelligent and uh, really self-empowered. And so giving them the space and the time to be not micromanaged, right? Giving them that freedom is so important in keeping people motivated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because the constraints, of course, will reduce motivation. Absolutely. I believe you hire you know, high performers and you give them the freedom that they need to do the job that, that they came in to do. You set them up for success and um, you'll see much better results oftentimes with um, millennials and Gen Z. Like I said, they, they just don't want to be micromanaged. They want to be... Mm -hmm. they trust. Uh, they're adults and they want to be treated that way. And I think so much of what we've been able to create and so much of the magic of our culture is that we're looking to not only create that kind of space, but also help bring people along in their own progression. So mm -hmm. I want my employees to, when they leave Scalab, I want them to feel more confident than when they came in. Tell me something. How do you manage risk? Emotionally manage or psychologically manage risk because, you know, ambiguity also you have to live in some risk. Absolutely. And I think there's always, there's always calculated risk, right? It's understanding mm -hmm. 
the trade-offs more so. I think risk is always perceived as well. I think the question is not always what is the risk, but what is the trade? What is mm-hmm. the what is mm-hmm. the compromise that you're making? Because you can't have everything at once, and you can't do everything you want all at mm-hmm. one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just because it you you say maybe oh I'm not going to do this thing right now doesn't mean you're not going to do it. It just might mean that it's not the right time for it. So the way that I would perceive that is more about smart planning mm-hmm. rather. Mm-hmm what is uh, the risk that's worth it or risk that's not worth it? Um, Believe it or not, we're getting towards the end. This is our last question. Um, Has your upbringing made it harder or easier for you to master a mindset for success? Easier, absolutely. I, I would hands down say easier because I've become a person that is extremely optimistic and extremely resilient because of my upbringing. Um, and that's something that I think so many people uh, maybe overlook with things that they've been through or opportunities that they've had, just reframing those for themselves, whether, you know, wherever they come from, mm-hmm. that those those things that might feel like they're your Achilles heel could also be uh, your, your opportunity. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you this. How do you take care of yourself in this drive and resilience and excitement to build your own business? A lot of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Nothing I, wrong with that. I actually love sleep. I'm I'm a very I'm a very pro sleep. I think it's important to get your eight hours in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I have actually quite a few ways. You know, like I said before, I continuously work with a coach. Mm-hmm. I always have a few things that I understand about myself that I'm working on at a time. I don't think that work will ever be done. I think it's continuous. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I look at when I was growing up, we would go to the bookstore and I remember there was always a self-help section. Um, I'll never forget it because, you know, I, being an adult now, I go, well, no one goes to the bookstore anymore, but that <laughs> self-help section has now turned into the wellness section. And I think that mm-hmm. one generation is such a massive change and that I feel so fortunate for that this idea of always having a growth mindset and continually working on yourself is not something to be ashamed of. It's actually something to embrace and be proud of. So, um, yeah, I just, I feel really lucky for that. Yeah. And I think that's entirely the one, the reason why that I did this podcast, it's important to really see psychological issues, not as something to be ashamed of or hide or try to ignore, but to really work with in an open way. And, Sounds like you've been able to do that very easily, you and your your co-founder, to make a um, business environment that is really based in wellness. Yeah, and I think it's just so important to destigmatize these things and to be able to have these open conversations. We mm-hmm. bring ourselves to work, whether we like it or not. Um, so I want to be able to, you know, help others and and show that you know having ADD as an example doesn't necessarily have to slow you down or hinder you in life. It can actually really help propel you in ways that you may not have ever thought. Right. And like someone who's gluten-free, it just means you have to kind of have somebody pick up the pieces that you don't do well because of ADHD. Not the end of the world, but someone who needs to not eat gluten doesn't eat gluten and does something else for, for getting what they want. Exactly. Exactly. And we all have those, um, those strengths and those weaknesses. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
uh, Willow, where can people learn more about you? Um, they can find me at scoutlab.com. That's uh, okay. probably the best, the best place to find us. Great. Thank you so much for sharing today with the listeners, your motivation for why you chose to be a female entrepreneur and also all the great ways you've learned to kind of address the psychological issues for you around that. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. appreciate you having me. Have a great one. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.